Welcome to Africa's LSP podcast, where we explore the world of translation, interpretation, and localization, as well as connect with the language industry's top players. From language service providers to the businesses and individuals who rely on their services, we'll be delving into the challenges, opportunities, and trends shaping the industry. Join us as we discover the power of language and the impact it has on connecting Africa and the world. Brought to you by Bolingo Consult and hosted by Nat Kintela, Africa's LSP podcast is the go-to podcast for all things language in Africa. Hello there. This is Nat Kintela from Bolingo Consult. And I would like to welcome you once again to another episode of Africa's LSP podcast. Today, we've been joined by another brilliant African language professional in the passing of Christian Elonge from the Cabot Group. Hi, Christian. Thank you for agreeing to join us on this episode to share your insights about the language service industry. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Nat. It's a pleasure being here, and I look forward to engaging with you and the Bulingo team. Right. So, Christian's credentials are quite impeccable, I must say. And I'm afraid I... I may not do justice to it if I talk about it. So here's what we're going to do, Christian. I'll step back for a few minutes and let you take the opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them more about your background and expertise, right? Okay. Hello to all who are following and listening to this podcast. Here is Christian Elonge. I am the managing director of Kabod Group, which is a language service provider. We are providing service in most of the languages that are known, such as French, English, Arabic, Portuguese. But we are mainly known for our services in African languages. And we also host a network of African language translators and teachers known as ALAT. It's a pleasure being here and to share about what we are doing and how together we can influence the language industry in Africa. Thank you. Thanks, Christian, for sharing that with us. Um, like I said, Christian is a big man. And <laughs> he's only being modest here, but I'll, I'll find a way. I'll definitely find a way to expose him. <laughs> um, in view of that, Christian, I'd like us to talk about another aspect of your work that you, you didn't mention, but is of interest to me. I'm referring to knowledge management. Can you tell us briefly what that's about? Yes, indeed. I am a knowledge management consultant. And one of the primary goals of Kabod, which is uh, the main organization, is to provide knowledge management services. So uh, through knowledge management, our goal is to build legacy, to build system and structure that will help any business to strive and to be resilient. Because we realize that most of the businesses or ministry in Africa were dying mostly after the founder is no longer there or for other reasons because they are not putting in place system and structure to ensure that there is sustainability in terms of practices. So the goal of knowledge management is to develop, you know, strong knowledge management system that will ensure continuity, that will ensure the preservation of institutional knowledge and to help African organizations to become more innovative and resilient so that they can cope to change as they are growing. Thank you. Great. So let's, um, let's do knowledge management a bit for now. Tell us, how does your knowledge in, um, or should I say, your work in knowledge management inform your approach to providing language services. So what I'm basically asking is, how do you use knowledge management in providing language services? Mm, very interesting uh, question. Indeed, as a primary knowledge management consultant and specialist, 
Knowledge management is at the core of everything that we do internally and also through the various services that we provide. So when it comes to language services, we are using knowledge management, you know, in a holistical way. And I'm going to share it maybe, let's say, five key angles. The first one is at the level of identifying and prioritizing the language that we are focusing on. As we all know, there are many language service providers in Africa. So from a knowledge management perspective, we had to settle on the language that we want to focus on. And for example, even Bolingo, our host, has used knowledge management to inform its services. We all know that Bolingo has developed the Akan News website. You know, why is it that the Akan language has been chosen among most of the languages that are spoken in Ghana? I believe one of the reasons is the fact that it is a language that is mostly understood, that has a large demography of speakers. A second application of knowledge management in our work is at the level of the development of language resources. As we all know, knowledge management can help in developing dictionary, glossary, and translation memory. You know, and we all know how those tools are helping to make translation faster. A third application of knowledge management to our language services is at the level of knowledge sharing and collaboration. For those who know Kabod Group Language Services, they know that we are highly focused on knowledge sharing. On a regular basis, we reach out to people who are doing tremendously well in advancing African languages. People who are creating tools to make African languages more usable, more accessible. And we have interview with them. We document the innovation that they have done and we capture it through interview. Knowledge sharing also at the level of the network that we have created, the African Language Teachers and Translator Network, which is a platform where people join and they share opportunities in the language industry. They share, you know, job opportunities, uh, events, and many other things. A fourth application of knowledge management in the work of Kabot is at the level of uh, technology. One of the three key pillars of knowledge management is technology. I would take two examples here in terms of machine translation and, you know, natural language processing where uh, knowledge management is helping us to automate, you know, most of the work that we do and to gain in efficiency. And finally, a fifth application of knowledge management in the work that we do is at the level of the adaptation of what we do to the local context, you know. And I think here we see more about, you know, cultural sensitivity. How do we ensure that the work that we are doing is understood by the people that we are reaching out to? So those are how knowledge management is currently being used to inform our approach and our services in the language industry in Africa. Awesome. Moving away from knowledge management and talking about your work in general, as I have already mentioned, Aside being the MD of Kabod Group, you do quite a number of other things. I mean, you're a KM consultant, an tech researcher, a translator, and, and so on. Um, I'm curious to know how you juggle all these things. But more importantly, how do you as an LSP stay up to date with industry trends and developments? Okay, um, I think I would take this question on two levels. Number one, how am I able to manage you know, various uh, uh, cap, you know, various responsibility in different industry. I think one of the way I've been doing it is that I have people I work with. You know, I always believe that teamwork makes things work. So at the level of Cabo, there is a head of department for each of the three core pillars of service that we are providing. So that's basically how I'm able of doing different services because there are people who are in charge and who are able of driving it with the best of their capacity. 
Now, how do I stay up to date, you know, with industry trend and development? I think there are also five key ways that I can share concerning that. One of them is uh, attending conferences and events, you know, where uh, uh, you go to learn from what others are doing, what's happening in the industry and so many other things. So it's basically about attending events where you know that people of your industry are present so that you can learn from them. The second way is um, by being part of a community, you know, being part of association and network where through this network, you will find people who have like-minded interests. One of those networks which we belong to is the Interpretation and Translation Institute. You know, they are more oriented towards training. They have a lot of training for translators and interpreters. We have also ALAT, which I have mentioned that Kabod is hosting. You know, it's a LinkedIn-based group and we also have a newsletter to all the members of the group. So there are various networks that are there and I believe uh, those associations and networks are the second most important way to stay up to date. A third way that I use is basically by uh, subscribing to newsletter and regularly reading publication on the language industry. And some of the popular newsletters that I would like to recommend, we have Multilingual, which is the leader in the industry. We have publication from uh, uh, Kabot that are focused, you know, on the language industry. We also have Bolingo podcast, like the one that we are doing now. If you like to know what's happening in the language industry, follow the previous episode, you know, of this podcast focusing on African languages. Bolingo also, as we know, has, you know, localization guides that are being produced on a regular basis. It can also help anyone who like to learn what is happening in that industry. So I believe that publication newsletter are a third way of learning about what's happening and staying up to date. A fourth way is basically engaging with your colleagues. It's dangerous to work in isolation. I remember the last time I came in a Bolingo office, you know, I met uh, Renato Beninato, you know, who is the founder of Nimzi Insight. And you can't believe it. Later on, I reached out to him and he accepted to be my mentor. And I've learned tremendously from him in refining our marketing approach and so many things that we were doing, which could have been improved. A fifth way, and the last one, which I think uh, is, is a good way of staying up to date, is basically experimenting. So yes, you can read. Yes, you can learn. Yes, you can network. But you have to practice, you know, experiment new tools and technology. For example, there is this trend of uh, how ChatGTP is used, you know, to facilitate translation, interpretation, and the work. Are we practicing it? How do we integrate NLP in our work? How do we integrate machine translation? You know, so those tools that are out there from SmartCard and many other tools, you know, computer-assisted tools, let's go out for it and let's choose those that are relevant for our needs. It's not because a tool is new technology that is necessarily important. So I believe that, you know, by following those five key elements, you know, one will always be up to date and know what's going on in the industry and take proactive measure and decision. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, I'm particularly excited that you mentioned some events, associations, and network opportunities happening in the industry. So as a spin-off of my earlier question on trends and developments in the industry, I know there's a lot of amazing stuff happening in the industry at the moment. But in your opinion, what is the one most exciting development currently happening in the language service industry? Mm, wow, this is quite difficult because there are so many things happening, you know, that are exciting. But I think one of them will be, um, you know, the increased focus on machine translation and natural language processing. I think those two technologies are helping to make translation to be more easy, to, to accelerate the delivery, 
you know, of the work that we are doing as LSP and to also ensure that high volume of work is being processed in the short amount of time. These tools, you know, which are currently present are making the work so easy. But I think that we have to pay attention to how these tools are being developed and make sure that we are following and that we are also up to date. Recently, my head of unit was writing an article on the fact that, you know, AI, you know, or these tools are not going to replace human translation because we realize that today when you are using deeper translator, the quality is so good that you can't even realize that this was done by a machine. You know, we also have Quillbot, you know, which also an AI tool, which paraphrase and do so many things, you know. But one of the tools that I would highly recommend, you know, as a trend to follow in this year and the year to come is OB Translate, you know, yes. OB Translate is, you know, a, a machine translation tool that is developed by a Nigerian in the person of Emmanuel Gabriel, and he has this very ambitious goal of translating over 2,000 African languages. You know, when I was discussing with him and he told me that, I say, wow, this is something that needs to be supported. And I believe that every African linguist, everyone who is working in the African language industry must join hands with him because, yes, we can use tools that are existing, but we must make sure that we also create local or indigenous tool to also advance African languages. You know, nobody is going to do it for us. So we have to do it ourselves or support those who are making that happening, you know. So I think machine translation and NLP are key uh, things that we have to pay attention to. They are more, but since you said one, I will stop here. Thank you, Christian. I, I understand also that you, you describe yourself as a learning futurist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Honestly, I had no idea what that meant until I looked it up. And I found out that it means that you leverage foresight skills and available data to kind of um, suggest insights into potential future learning methods or technologies and, and strategies. Mm-hmm. Great. With this in mind, I would love to hear your thoughts on the future of the language service industry. As a KM consultant and learning futurist, are there any emerging trends that you anticipate or or even existing ones that you believe will become significant in the coming years? Okay, okay. Interesting. So, um, yes, I think from a knowledge management perspective, you know, in the next uh, uh, next few years, there are, I think, let's say, four, four key trends that I see that we have to pay attention to. Uh, number one, we realize that there, were, there is an increase in demand for translation and interpretation services, you know, because, you know, more businesses are going global and we have a rise of e-commerces across the world, meaning that more companies are going to seek out for, you know, the need of making their content available in multiple languages. So I believe that this increase in demand is going automatically to create more opportunities for those who are in the language industry. Of course, we know that AI is also making things easily, you know, but we should not neglect that AI without human, you know, is useless. I think the second thing that we have to pay attention to from a knowledge management perspective is the fact that there will be a greater focus on localization and cultural sensitivity. Why am I saying that? I'm saying this because, you know, more people want to read content in terms, in a context, in a flavor that they recognize. You know, many people want to read content in their own language, you know, with their own sensitivity reflected in it. So this is a challenge that we have to pay attention to. And this is where, you know, NLP is coming to make language translation and interpretation to look more natural, you know. A third trend that we are observing also is the fact that 
we see more and more, you know, collaboration and I will even dare to say integration between different industries. So, for example, realize that there are industries who are more, you know, customer support oriented or marketing oriented that are adding language services in the way that they are working. I've seen more and more, you know, uh, uh, for example, you know, customer support services that are integrating automatic translation uh, tools, you know, to make sure that whenever clients are reaching out to the company, they can read or have access to information in their own languages. We have chatbots, you know, who are now, who are now available in various languages. You know, we also have e-commerce platforms that are also available in various languages and even social media pages. For example, when you go on LinkedIn, you realize that they have various languages that are available aside English. You know, so these are some of the trends that I believe we have to pay attention to. But the most important one is artificial intelligence, you know, machine translation and natural language processing. And I emphasize again that as an African language professional, it's important to be part of the game. And Masakane, Land Africa of Chris Emizwe are interesting initiative where we need to be part of it to see how best, you know, we can also create you know, those tools. We are not called to be consumers, but we are also called to create the tools that we need. And in that regard, I would like to invite those who are following us that there will be the Deep Learning Africa Conference. You know, it's, it's a conference where tech enthusiasts and people who are working on African languages, you know, from various perspectives are coming together to reflect on the last tools, the last practices, the last, the last technology that, that have been created. You know, the event is going to be hosted in Ghana. So if you are, you know, interested, just go online, type Deep Learning in Daba, you know, and register for it and join us in Accra for interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christian. This is really enlightening. And one thing you said that struck a chord with me was the potential for collaborations with other industries. When you made that point, it, it immediately reminded me of a long-standing concern I've had with the Western movie industry and how they portray African languages and culture mm. in their movies. The West has always made movies about Africa and Africans, and we tend to see more of this in recent times, which, don't get me wrong, I'm excited about. However, it is the how that bothers me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's, there's this popular Hollywood movie that's made waves in the past year. In a scene in this movie, we see an African woman approach and refer to a young lady as small, small girl in, in, in a seemingly Nigerian accent. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not Nigerian, but even I know that no Nigerian meets a young lady and calls her that. Mm -hmm. It would probably make sense if you meet a bunch of young ladies and call them small, small girls, but certainly not in this context. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed the same thing in another Kiswahili English Hollywood movie that's set in Kenya. Okay. And it features an American actress who doesn't originally speak Kiswahili as a main character. That's another concern I have, but mm -hmm. I won't go into that today. Anyways, in one scene, we see this lady who was a teacher welcoming a new student into her class. She looks at the new student and says, Karibuni, in her bid to say welcome. It didn't sit well with me, so I, I checked with my colleague at the time, who is a native Kiswahili speaker, and she confirmed that you cannot say Karibuni when you are referring to one person. We, we also see another example of this in another recently popular Hollywood movie set in Africa, mm -hmm. where we see American actors who are supposed to be portraying the history and culture of the Dahomey Kingdom of Benin, rather forcing accents which seem Nigerian and Eastern African. They even got some parts of the story wrong and messed up the names of some ancestral gods. Mm. It, it made me wonder, who were their language consultants? Mm. Who was in charge of originality and cultural sensitivity? 
was this person originally from Africa and from these tribes they are trying to portray? Mm. And that brings me to my question for you, Christian. Mm -hmm. What should the African language industry do to curtail these unfortunate but rather prevalent issues? I may have a follow-up to this depending on how your response goes. Mm. Interesting, interesting. You know, I think when you were developing the question, there are many thoughts that come to that 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 came to mind. You know, uh, the first thought that came to mind was actually something that my mom used to say. My mom is a francophone in Cameroon. She used to say that c'est la patate qui va accepter qu'on la mange cru. You know, it's like you know, it is potato that has accepted to be eaten freshly, you know, without being cooked. Mm. Uh, meaning that you know, uh, if I want to replicate it to the statement I want to make. It is African who are allowing yeah. to be mistreated yeah. or to be neglected or to be underestimated, you know. Exactly. For example, let me just use an, a parallel or an analogy. Have you realized that you would difficultly find a Western movie where maybe, you know, a white person is simulating an Indian or a Japanese? No. They will always make sure that when it comes to other races or other groups, you know, they bring on board people who actually come from that group yeah. so that those people can effectively, you know, communicate in the appropriate language, with the appropriate idiolect, with the appropriate manners, you know. So if they are doing that for when it comes to other culture, it is because they know the implication right. in case they are error, in case they are glitches, you know. They know the implication are going to be huge. But when it comes to Africa, you know, that same concern, that same attention to details, is not replicated. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is the consequence of the mindset. You know, unconsciously, everything that we do is influenced by what we think, you know. So if they think lowly of us, it's natural that they will just go about doing it with what they have, you know, uh, using people who are not from the country or from the culture just to make it happen, you know, and, and, and even make sure that the money stays within, you know, their, their cycle. And that is why... You know, I, I believe that from the language industry component, you know, which is the angle that we are talking about here, because the debate is huge. It's not just in the language industry. There are many other aspects where we see those things happening. But in the language service industry, what needs to be done from this perspective is the need to have a strong voice, a strong network, to have what we call, you know, a common platform where we can have standard practices. You know, we can make it in such a way that it becomes difficult, you know, to think or work on any movie or any cultural product where African languages are, you know, integrated without going, you know, for a language consultant that can confirm the quality of what is being said mm -hmm. in it, you know. Yeah. But when we come to Africa, we realize that, you know, most of what we see in the language industry is isolation. We have a network of African translator in East Africa. We have one in South Africa, but in Central Africa, we have none. In West Africa also, very few that I know. Even in Ghana, Gati, you know, we used to be prominent, has almost died in terms of effectiveness. So we need those common platforms. And that's the reason why Kabod Group has taken the initiative of putting in place, you know, the Association of Language Company in Africa together with, you know, Bolingo Consort, because we realize that alone, yes, we can go fast, but together we can go far. Yes, it's important to work in union. It's important to work together. You know, because there are certain challenges, there are certain issues that alone you cannot address it. You can't go alone in the movie industry and, and, and attempt to change the practices that have been done there. 
So we need a stronger platform to conduct advocacy awareness so that people will know the implication and know the consequences, you know, of not abiding to cultural sensitivity. And I will use this platform to invite anyone who would like to join the Association of Language Company in Africa to reach out to us via Kabod Group or Bolingo Consult or the Alert Group on LinkedIn. And we are going to be pleased to work together with you so that we can be stronger and avoid these nonsenses mm-hmm. of happening in the future. Solid point there, Christian. Thank you. So now here's my follow-up question. There's an account proverb that goes like, say which is figuratively synonymous to the English saying, charity begins at home. Mm-hmm. To it, you clean your own backyard before you go about cleaning others. Mm. You've made some good points about how, as an industry, we can ensure that contents produced about Africa and Africans are culturally sensitive. Mm -hmm. Now, how can African language service providers ensure that our own services are always culturally and linguistically appropriate for the diverse communities we serve in Africa? Okay. Now, When it comes to, you know, how African language service providers can adapt our offer, you know, to be culturally and linguistically appropriate for the diverse community that we serve in Africa, you know, is very important because I believe, as we know, we have almost uh, 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 more than 2,000 languages that are spoken in Africa, which means that particularities, you know, for those languages are very moving from one country to the other. So some of the things that I believe that could be done for we to ensure that our services are more effective is number one, to hire linguists that have local knowledge of the language, linguists that are trained in those languages. And, you know, when it comes to Africa, it's something a bit difficult. Do you know why? Tell me, sir. Because you are going to realize that even though we have over 2,000 languages that have been spoken, it is difficult to find people who are able of writing and speaking fluently those languages. Most of the African language experts, they are experts at verbal speaking, you know, like verbal experts. But when it comes to the writing, very few have that expertise in knowing how to transcribe, knowing how to write, knowing how to master the grammar, the syntax of their language, you know. And this is a gap because how can we, for example, translate text in local languages if the people who are speaking cannot write it? It's a barrier. It's a, it's a challenge. You know, so this is a call for African university, for, you know, people who are working in the area of African languages to train more and to systematize, to develop standards, to develop vocabulary so that our language can be learnable, so that our language can be accessible, so that our language can be, you know, available for anyone who would like to tap into it. The second thing is to develop glossary and style guide, you know, that are specific to the culture. You know, so for example, even though, for example, we are in Ghana, we have the Chui and many other languages, there are some nuances, you know, so it's important to have glossary that clearly determine which word belongs to which type of language, you know, and how to, to go about when to use those languages. So it's important to do it in partnership with the local speakers of those languages. A third element is to do training on cultural, you know, linguistic. It's important to train people. How do you work as a cultural linguist? What, what are the peculiarities when translating in different languages? A fourth element, you know, is to engage with the local community. You can't serve what you don't know. You can't serve appropriately African communities without knowing their priorities, without knowing their needs. 
you know. So, for example, if you take the case of the Akan News website that Bolingo has developed, it's important before creating news content on that website to know what is the primary interest of Akan people because it is a website that is developed in Akan language. So, it's good to know the people speaking that language, what type of content would they like to have access to and to design the offer around that, you know. And the fifth element is to leverage on the power of technology you know, to facilitate this work. You know, technology to today is unavoidable. So it's important that in everything that we do, technology should be at the center of it. And if the technological tools are not existing, let's go forth and create them. You know, we have brains and we are able of creating the tools that are needed. And again, what OB Translate is doing is commendable in that regard. Thank you. Oh, wow. Amazing. The details, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Now, before we leave, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out in the language service industry in Africa? Whether as a translator, interpreter, or instructional designer, and so on. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think um, advice for those coming, you know, in the industry or those who are already in the industry, um, I think, let's say, seven key ones, you know, seven key advices. The first one is to master your art. You can't be a librarian without knowing the, the science of managing a library, you know. So you cannot be a language professional without mastering languages, you know. Not necessarily certificates. Certificates are good, maybe for industry standard, but master your thing. Master the language that you are specializing in. The number two is to stay up to date. You know, because if you are not up to date, then you will be outdated. And we all know that even with antivirus, when the antivirus is not updated, attack can easily come in and destroy. So you have to stay up to date, you know. The number three, build your network. I've already indicated some platforms that can facilitate that. Now, the fourth element is to specialize. One thing I've realized with most people when they start their career in the language industry is that they want to embrace everything. They want to be in the legal translation, health translation, you know, uh, 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 book translation. And you cannot be good everywhere. Be known for something. Stand out. Find your niche and stay in it and become the top expert in that niche. My fifth advice is invest in your professional development. This is something that I learned from Renato, you know. Uh, the, the last time we were having our meeting, he was indicating to me how his company, Nimzi Insight, has mostly grew through the network, you know, that he developed at industry events. So he realized that going in person to language industry events is more profitable than attending events online. Because when you go in person, you can build genuine and real relationship with the people. And when people are looking for services, they remember first the people they know, you know. So if you are not known, then nobody will contact you. So invest in yourself. If there's an event where you have to pay to attend for it, pay it is going to generate a return on investment. My sixth advice is to focus on quality. You know, I believe that <laughs> you cannot lie someone twice, you know. <laughs> First fool, no be fool. Exactly, you know. So someone can give you a translation or interpretation project the first time, but the quality of the delivery will determine whether the person will come back or not. So rather than making noise in advertising yourself, yes, it is good, but make sure that every assignment, every engagement, every work that your hands pass on, you know, is delivered with strong professionalism and excellent quality. 
And finally, build your reputation. It is no use to be good and nobody knows about you. It's like you have a jewel, but nobody has ever seen it. You know, so we have platforms, we have network, we have pros, we have a lot, we have LinkedIn. You know, we have so many networks out there. Choose those that are relevant to you and make sure that you are active on it. I've seen many translators and interpreters from Africa who are on LinkedIn, but they never post. They are just there not doing anything. They are just reading what others are doing. A thought leader cannot influence thinking without creating new knowledge. You know, so if you are silent, you will be silenced. So you have to stand out and build your reputation on a gradual but consistent basis. If you do those seven things, I'm sure that in the years to come, nobody will be able of doing without you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Christine, for sharing your knowledge with us. I I actually have tons of questions that need your wisdom and I I think we may have to have a part 2 of this session another time to discuss those. <laughs> Thank you once again for being on the Africa's LSP podcast. You're welcome. We will share your LinkedIn profile as as well as links <laughs> to some of the events, associations and networking opportunities you spoke about for the peer user of our listeners. Okay. Thank you sir. Okay. Thank you too for the opportunity and I really encourage anyone listening to follow this podcast. You know, it's a very great initiative for anyone in the African language industry to stay up to trend, you know, to know what's happening and I really appreciate the initiative and more grace to all of the team behind this. Thanks for tuning in to Africa's LSP podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned something new. For feedback or inquiries, reach out to us at podcast at bolingoconsult.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite platforms. Until next time, stay curious and keep growing.